tonight. We're going to get a little Alvin Lee here and get our little Saturday edition. Esperando, Esperando. since we've heard Alvin. I mean, he's been hanging around here starting the show for many years. That was one of the, when I was thinking years ago about having a radio show and uh, that popped in my mind. I said, that'll be it. And here, years later, here it is. Morning. Roger Sales with you on the Radio Ranch. It's the Saturday Sabado. It's the Sabado edition of the old Radio Ranch that we started about a year ago, I think, mainly for new folks that are, if there are any people that are viably employed anymore, uh, but that are viably employed and they might not be able to join us during the week with their questions, their preguntas, then uh, we're here for you on Saturday now. And uh, what's been evolving is kind of interesting because it's kind of a different day of the week, and uh, it seems to deliver a different type of show. It gives us some wonderful teaching moments, and uh, and I like it. So, good morning. It's the 30th. It's the last day of the month here in September, Paul. October is starting tomorrow, and it does not bode well. Okay. So uh, anyway, Paul's the keeper of the platforms and has the magic key to all that stuff. And I like to give him a little spotlight and uh, so he can inform us on all these places we're appearing. Right. Um, and I appreciate that, Raj, because, uh, um, you know, we've got a lot of places where this show is available. Little cubby holes. And, uh, yep, little mouse holes. Cubby hole. And we're trying to add more and more as time goes on. We're still working on uh, bringing Stream Life online. That's that's still um, still in the developing stages. Mm-hmm. We're of course on Eurofolkradio.com. That's the flagship. That's that's how this all started, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, and girls, on Eurofolkradio.com. We uh, also have a mirrored stream on Global Voice Network. That is Radio globalvoiceradio.net and both links to Eurofolk and Global Voice are on exposedthematrix.com also on exposedthematrix.com are the links so you can connect to the free conference call conference room and actually join us on the show you can join either by app by web browser or by telephone and if you have one of those providers that charges you out of network fees for calling conference systems just text call me to the dial-in number and the conference system will call you back that's an inbound call so take that t-mobile i don't know if t-mobile is one of the ones that does that i just threw that out i'm sorry t-mobile if i besmirched your name you can bet one of them's verizon it could be, could be. Um, we're also, during the week, we're on 106.9 WBOU-FM in Chicago. With Andy. Uh, but we are we don't have a slot there on the weekend, and we only have one hour 
on WBOU, and we're trying to expand that to the full two hours, but there's already a show in that time slot that, yeah. that has to let go before we can take it. I see. Um, and uh, during the week, we're also on HomeNetwork.tv and FreedomNation.tv. And that being said, the the beautiful thing about the Saturday shows, if, if I could circle back for a moment, is we have an opportunity to do teaching moments. We have an opportunity to, like, really drill down deep into certain topics. And some people are able to join us on Saturdays, and some people are not. One of those is our own Daryl. And he, when Roger was uh, having technical difficulties, he was listening to a show that he didn't know was a replay of Saturday. And he tried to call in and comment because it was a show he had never heard before. Oh, there and, you go. And, and the show was a great show. And he just so wanted to comment on it. And what wound up happening was he wound up calling in and we wound up having a live after show after the replay and that after show was amazing well so you know that is interesting isn't it yeah it it just it just worked out beautifully i had no idea this was to repeat because i had never heard it before but it was so good i couldn't take my ears off of it well, so. you know, after all these years of inputting all this information, and as I say often on here, you know, the Bible says above all, seek understanding. It doesn't say seek knowledge. But if you get enough of the knowledge, the big guy will deliver you the understanding. And that's where I am in the last few years of this, you know, of of getting these answers and going, holy smoke, it's been right there in front of me for 20-something years, and I didn't see it, you know. These guys are very slick. All right. And uh, that I'm, I'm assuming you're referring to that Saturday show where we went over the 13th and 14th Amendments and dissected them and show you how the whole damn thing's right there. You can see it right in front of you looking at those amendments if if you know what you're looking for. If you don't know what you're looking for, you're going to be like the 150 years of people that have looked at that before us and never saw any of this. Actually, that was the August 17th, oh, okay. 2023. August 19th. Uh, August 19th. Okay, yeah. thank you, Mirka. That's the one I sent you. So yeah. anyway. And, well. and Mirka, Mirka's a rock star. She pulls out all of these great archives and sends them to me so I can punch them up real quick. Real quick. In case, in case uh, we don't have electricity or internet or something. Uh, well, that's good. And, uh, you know, there's an awful lot to – it's interesting, isn't it? Because it's the way they set this thing up, it's so damn well done and confusing. Uh, and their little hidey holes, they've got all this stuff in. Then they change a label on it and all this. You can imagine they never figured that anybody's going to figure this out, okay, first of all. And so uh, – uh, as you get deeper into it, and, and I've had this happen to me previously, is all of a sudden you get enough information in there, and whatever forces at work here, I'll let you d- d- dictate that on your own side, hands you the answer. And all of a sudden, the answer just pops up in your mind. 
I mean, I've had it happen a number of times. Okay, so uh, so it's very interesting. And uh, man, our enemies are on the run. Before we get off into that, Paul. However, I did have a question, a couple of comments. First of all, did y'all know that Diane Feinstein finally died? You know, thank goodness. Hallelujah. Okay. Uh, God knows what Gavin Newsom's going to give us uh, as a black female senator out of California, maybe another Kamala Harris type. But he's going to be able to appoint a senator. And now Adam Schiff has got going to have somebody to run against because he's running for that seat that Feinstein was going to vacate. So that's kind of an interesting political development. Um, what else? Uh, RFK announced he's going independent. Did y'all hear that? No, I didn't hear that. He's going to go independent, which is going to really throw a hitch in their giddy up because it's an old tactic that they used a hundred, a little over a hundred years ago to get uh, uh, the uh, Teddy Roosevelt's Bull Moose Party in. Is they went in and ran him as a third party and, and got him in by splitting. I forget who all was running against him, but it's a technique they've used before in their favor, and that's being used against them in this really precarious position they're in. I mean, these guys are getting exposed. They're getting exposed on COVID. They're getting exposed on January 6th. They're getting exposed on Biden's thievery and his family. They're getting exposed hither and yon, folks. And uh, it's got to be tenuous. I, I honestly, I'll just say this. We'll see how it pans out. I don't think they can afford to let us have an election next year. They're losing in Ukraine. That would probably be one of the only viable things they could do is declare war and then postpone the election under the Emergency War Powers Act. But I don't think the people would stand for that, knowing what they know now and what's been exposed and what's coming in the in the coming months. There's no telling what's going to be exposed in the coming months. Okay, so uh, very interesting, precarious, precarious situation. We got. Millions of these illegals just pouring, and I, I mean literally pouring across the border. And Alex did a, a thing, uh, was it yesterday or the day before? I don't remember, on putting all this together. And he thinks what they're going to do is basically use all of these uh, these immigrants because they're all young men. There's very few women and children. There's a few, but not many, compared to the ratio of military-age men. Is they're going to turn them loose on the Americans and go, well, that's your house. You need to just go take it from those white supremacist bastards. And that may be what their plan is, okay? So we don't know, but I can promise you that we have got some turmoil in our future. Uh, when you were saying there, uh, Paul, that uh, WDOU, is that the calls on that? WDOU. B, as in boy. B-O-U. Yeah. Uh, it's good that they're not on with us on Saturday because that gives them a little extra time to go work on their bunkers. Okay. True. Uh, True. So a lot of a lot of really really interesting stuff going on. Hell of a time to be alive. Uh, I mean, as precarious as it is, as much pressure and 
whole thread is there is out there, if you will, realize that men have wanted to be alive right now for thousands of years. Because it's coming to a head, you know. Now, Paul, before I launch off, I had another question in my mind, and I've not had a, a answer for it. Did our keep, uh, keep, did, keep that keep that question for a moment? I I just want to reflect a little bit on on what is going on. We don't know what is going to happen. Yeah, I, I'm I'm fully on board with you. I don't think they can afford another election. I don't think they can. Uh, but they've got a lot of things in place already. They've got the pandemic thing. They've got the WHO thing. They've got the immigrant thing. They've got the 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 shakeup of the dollar. They've got any number of reasons why they could call off the election or postpone it. Could be. We just know. We don't know what's coming, but we know it ain't going to be good. Well, it may be. You never know. They may shoot themselves in the foot again. I mean, the, 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 here's the counterbalance to what you're talking about. There are so many people waking up on a daily basis that that's, you know, the one thing they're scared of is us. They ain't scared of anything else except us. And that's what's happening is that other side is building up. Uh, hell of a time. They're waking Roger, they're building, they're waking up on different levels. Too. Yes, they are, and we'll get some of them drifting in here, you know, and that's good. Uh, my question that was unanswered is: Did our mutual friend Paul English have a show Thursday? Yes, he did. Well, it wasn't up posted on his website. He was still playing last week's. At least uh, Thursday when I checked. I don't remember if I checked yesterday or not, but as of the other day, because I was anxious to hear it, you know, and I went and dialed it up. And my my habit in the afternoon is to go find some lunch somewhere and probably eat too much and come home all sleepy and put something on that I can go lay down to and fall asleep to. And I know that's two hours straight, and I was going to use that. And I dialed it up. I went and laid down. I went, well, this is a replay for last week with all those technical problems so okay well he did do a show and i hope it's up somewhere and uh i'll find it i'll find it but today i'm locked into college football so uh okay anyway we'll I, see I will find the link. okay we can shoot it to me. i will find the link and i'll shoot it to you uh yes he did do his show and it was show number four and it went very very smoothly he Good. had some hiccups at week three weeks one and two went okay uh week three was just <laughs> the show for it was help, a disaster <laughs> Well, you know, Paul, I, as much problem as I've given Paul English over the years with all this stuff here, I had to chuckle when that was going on, you know. But I will say Paul maintained much better than I did. So, uh, anyway, that's good. And uh, glad to have him over there on the air. And it's something I'll look forward to listening to on Thursdays because, I mean, quite frankly, really, I, I don't know if it would matter what Paul said. It's the way he says it with that English accent, you know. It's yeah. just charming. Well, it's charming, you know. I can't help it. We're actually trying to hack off uh, time slots in some of the platforms that we're on and rebroadcasting the Paul English program. Oh, that'd be good. I'm sure. Last Thursday. Yeah. 
last Thursday, he was not only on all of his platforms, but he was also on Global Voice Radio. He was also streamed to the conference room. Jitsi, of course, blew up and, and failed like halfway through the show. Oh. I was at a doctor's appointment, so I couldn't fix it. But uh, but he was on GVN, and he was on the conference room, so all of our people love listening to him as well. They just, they just hang out with here he is. He just got that great. And, hey, and such, new, go ahead, Lisa. His new shows are up on Paul English Live and Rumble. Okay, so the new one he's got posted. That's where I go, paulenglishlive.com. So anyway, what a, you know, I mean, it, it's it, it was a real gift when Paul reached out to me after uh, – the fiasco at Truth Frequency Radio with Georgie or uh, Chris Ego. His name's Gio, but it's so perfect. Chris Ego. Um, uh, and I was sitting there. I was going to go to Spreaker, you know, and uh, just contemplating on what to do. I was still down in Argentina. And uh, Paul got me through Skype. I don't know that we had. I don't remember if we'd ever talked even before then, but he dialed me up. He said, well, what do you think about doing? They'd been simulcasting the show for a couple of years before that. So I had a presence there. I just didn't have a relationship. And uh, he uh, called and said, well, you know, uh, Spreaker's owned by the tribe. I went, well, yeah, I kind of figure that they own everything else. Uh, and he said, why don't you come over here with us? And that's when we, we sculled up the original, and it had something to do with us today. The PPN thing was I was going to try and start my own radio network. You know, we had everything here at a low cost, and you could do it. And the problem was I couldn't find enough announcers to cover 12 hours. You know, it was Jim Ram and me and DJ for a while with the health show, and those are the only people I could ever get that wanted to. When you do this, you got to make a commitment here. It's kind of like a marriage, you know. And uh, uh, and I couldn't get anybody that uh, w- was willing to do that. And then there was a, uh, a software screw-up inside the program on the server, and Paul didn't have time to go look find it and and uh, i wasn't able to even fill uh, half a day and so he said well let's just move you over to truth uh, to uh, 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 speak free uh, uh, our main flagship um you're a folk you're a folk yeah you're a folk and he we've been here ever since and happy to be here and i feel like it's my home and uh you know looking back over what happened uh, with like thumper and rb in here fairly recently uh I, I always come back here i'm comfortable here we don't have any interruptions and people want to hear what we got to say we have brisk intellectual in-depth discussions with no interruptions and man i just like it you know now this is from somebody who's been around broadcasting for many years okay so it's kind of an ideal situation in almost every respect so uh, i'm quite happy here i did have a message uh, you might be interested to know i haven't seen about it yet but i had a voice message with uh from tom d asking me to call him so i don't know what that's all about but listen if they want me back on rbn i ain't going okay 
I'm telling you right now. So anyway, uh, that's where we are. I like it here. We got six days. I got a day off. Uh, we got no interruptions. We got a good core group here, and uh, it's just real comfortable for me. So we have an amazing group. Here. Yeah, we really do. I mean, see, that's this message is what brings this quality of person. That's that's the real thing. It's the message and the quality of person that responds to it. And you start getting a bunch of those people in one spot and you got something. Okay. So anyway, quite pleased about all of that. We can kind of let our hairs down and talk about that on the Saturday show. Did anybody have anything they wanted to bring up today? Yeah, I got a question. Okay, good. Who's this? It's Samuel. Samuel, boy, you're real garbled. I couldn't even identify your voice. It's how garbled you are. Go ahead, Samuel. I hadn't heard you speak because I've been maybe not hearing everything because of signal. But uh, what about the the the? The court's taking, uh, going after Trump's assets. Talk about what time it is. I don't think, I don't even think we've had a chance to cover that, quite frankly. I'm, you know, I think today is about the first day I've felt at my previous comfort level after all this crap we've gone through the last couple of weeks. So uh, I'm getting back in the groove here, and I'm, I hadn't had a chance to talk about that. I've just heard a couple of comments are trying to go after some of his hotels because he undervalued or overvalued the value of Mar-a-Lago. You know, and, and it, it is, I think the thing is valued on the tax rolls at $450 million or something. It's some ridiculous amount. And... Uh, he, they, they're, listen, these people are desperate. They're trying to do anything. And, yeah, they're trying to go after And none of those decisions are going to hold in any kind of an appellate or upper-level court. This is all just shenanigans. And quite frankly, Samuel, in all honesty, I'm a little surprised that the Supreme Court hadn't stepped into some of this crap already. But they're on vacation until Monday. They come. They come up again on Monday. They start the new session on Monday, uh, the days of October, first Monday in October, and so we'll see what happens with that. But any of those judgments, like the one against Owen, poor old Owen Troyer, you know, uh, uh, the, the, they're not. Those aren't going to hold in any kind of a decent upper level court. Now, if they try and appeal that one with Owen, and you've got the appellate level in D.C. Which, interestingly enough, is where Clarence start, uh, Thomas started, by the way. and um, But they're totally corrupt, so you might have to go even to the Supreme Court with that. And it's quite a chore to get a case heard by the Supreme Court, folks. Okay? Because, you know, they get... 10,000 appeals a year or something like that. And, of course, they can't hear that many. So they have to be very selective on the cases that they do take, and that is called the word you've probably heard, certiari. C-E-R-T-E-R-I-A, I think is the way it's spelled. And so you apply to the court, and if they want to hear your case, you'll hear them say, we grant certiari. So they grant you the uh, opportunity to have that case being heard, and they can only hear so many. 
Um, we got a couple of pretty interesting ones coming up in this session, though, I can tell you. One of them is the first time the 16th Amendment has been revisited since Brushhaber. That was over 100 years ago. That is going to be really interesting. Somebody else, one of our listeners, sent me. I haven't had a chance to hear the whole thing yet. It does. I don't think it applies to us directly. Excuse me. But uh, they're going to hear a case and make a determination, Paul, on the word and. And it has to do with somehow it was been used and adjudicated in some criminal cases where I think from what I got, the little I listened to the guy, I just didn't have a chance to listen to it um, uh, yet. And uh, it has to do with something criminal where there's people in jail. But we're going to go back and have the Supreme Court go over and dissect the word and in this session. So that's kind of interesting, okay? That is interesting. So uh, I did, you know, for let me ask Murka here. Uh, Murka, it's interesting. Did you have any uh, oh association with any legal stuff before you stumbled on us? Mm, traffic stuff, um, you know. Okay. But when you get into this and you start getting into this legal stuff and starting to understand it, the law is really fascinating, isn't it? Yes, it is. And it's so practical. And I keep telling you all, I haven't told you much lately, but I used to tell you, it's amazing when you start getting some of this stuff under your belt, the ways that you'll use it in your day-to-day life. Okay. And I, I certainly found that out in Argentina with that accident. Uh, boy, you want to talk about having a, having something to bring to your defense was just my knowledge of the law. And I remember when I got with my little attorney, Yvonne, super sharp young man. I, I just really liked him. And, uh, his father was a sitting judge there in the in the province in the circuit, and so he'd been raised around it his whole life. The girl that I was seeing at the time was a high school teacher, and he was one of her students in high school, and he was the number one uh, uh, in his class in high school, very sharp, number one in his class in law school, and at twenty seven years old was the secretary of the local bar already. Okay, super sharp kid, and uh, he's uh, of course the only one in all of these years that ever answered the question, "What's the legal concept behind the word person?" And he just spit it out immediately. Okay, but I remember when we first started talking about this case. It's a funny story how I met him, you know, because uh, I was dancing tango uh, a bunch after the accident. I had a friend that spoke English. He was a tango instructor, and he said, come here, you're going you're gonna to dance tango. And uh, so I got really into it for a couple of years. I was getting pretty good at it, too, by the way, even getting complimented by my teachers. And tango is difficult, folks. I mean, it ain't easy. It ain't getting out there and shake your booty, okay? Uh, and so... Uh, to do that and get skilled at it, you have practices. And so we'd have practices on Sunday night. And uh, after the practice, because Argentina is a cafe society, all these little sidewalk cafes. And so after the practice, we'd go to have a cup of coffee or whatever at one of the little sidewalk cafes there. So there's a number of people. And uh, had a couple of tables laid together in a line, 
and every chair was full except the one next to me at the end of the table. And I had seen Yvonne at uh, a couple of other lessons, but we didn't get a chance to introduce, you know. And so uh, all of a sudden he walks up and plops down in that chair, and uh, and he speaks English. And he starts speaking English with me. <laughs> and so we get in this conversation a little bit, and I said, what do you do? And he goes, oh, I'm an attorney. <laughs> And I said, God, are you going to regret you told me that? That's funny. <laughs> and he, of course, didn't, you know, he didn't have any fathom of what he was getting into. But when we finally got down and had a chance to start talking and stuff, his comment was, man, you know a lot about the law. And I said, yep, sure do. And that came to our defense in that, I mean, incredibly, because I knew enough about the process, even in a foreign country, uh, to be able to get with him and his skill and his uh, uh, all that stuff and his connections. And, uh, you know, I walked away from that. And uh, when there are six fatalities, okay, and so uh, it was a real blessing. Uh, you, you start learning about the law. It's fascinating. Uh, and you start understanding how, to work, how it works and how it applies to you. And, it's again, it's empowering, you know. So uh, I encourage all of you to do that. And I think most people that get into this want to learn it, you know, because they want to be free, right? And you've got to learn it to understand all this stuff that they've done to us to get us in this condition position so uh anybody else have anything this morning they wanted to launch off i got a couple of things i was hoping our little gal from kentucky was with us and i don't remember your name are you with us to wrote me those emails yes i am there she is i thought you might be what's your name again sweetie marilyn hi marilyn thanks for uh thanks thanks for joining what part of kentucky are you in um, it's St. Francis, but it's outside of Bardstown. It's um, an hour south of Louisville. Okay. Away. All right. Up more in the northern part. Well, Marilyn, why don't you tell the audience uh, your little experience? Oh, okay. Well, um, within the past year, I got my passport. I sent off all my affidavits for two bed and to the um, a part of the state, you know, the important ones. <laughs> right. And then I went on and did the rest of the state and the county, did all of that. And yesterday, I got this thing in the mail from the police department. And um, I have a concealed license, right? I've had it for years. Anyway, it's um, just that um, briefly. It's um, a revocation notice that within two days of this notice, business days, um, I have to um, I have to surrender my license for to be a class A misdemeanor, and they're um, standing on this um, USC 922 thing. It's a part of the federal government's laws, and um, I renounce my U.S. citizenship. Right. Well. Okay, and they're asking you to, to turn that in in two days, two business days, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, now, isn't that interesting? 
Well, it's because you got a, 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 you know, they, you got a, some uh, ridge runners up there that are in the police department. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Uh, so, what you'll want to do is reach back out to them and tell them thank you very much, but you have misinterpreted my correspondence. I would think, you know, the thing is, Marilyn, for you, it doesn't matter. Because now, guess what? You don't have to have a license to carry. I know. I thought about that. But um, the one thing that concerned me was if I went to, like, Virginia or another state that works with the concealed carry, because we have an agreement with a lot of states now that if you have a concealed carry license in one state, you can go to another. So how would that affect me going to another? Shouldn't affect you at all. It shouldn't affect you at all because you don't require a license to carry one in your state. You probably don't have to have it to carry it in the other state either. You know, you shed that stuff when you file that affidavit. Now, what I would encourage you to do is you may want to reach out to these folks and say, you have misinterpreted what I sent you. I have not expatriated. I have a passport. I, you know, do you know about the expatriation process, Marilyn? Maybe that's what we should cover here a little bit. Do you know about that? Well, not really. I mean, okay. Well, really. well, let me tell you. Okay, I'm going to tell you what it is because it started in earnest. A few people had done it, you know, over the years. It's a process you have to go through with the State Department. And but when it really kicked in was the year that I went to Argentina. Actually, the year before when I went down there for my travel, uh, my my look look see trip. And I'll tell you a story about that that I think you'll find quite interesting if you've not heard it before. Some of the folks here have heard me tell it, but uh, that was the year that the expatriation numbers skyrocketed. I mean, I don't remember what the numbers were, but it was dramatic, okay? And I had seen the articles. And so why do most people expatriate? Let me just ask the audience. Why do most people expatriate? Because they want to get out and they don't know how. The tax system. Taxes and cheaper. Okay, and so that's the prime motivator. I'm sure there's other reasons, you know. But to expatriate, you have a real specific process. First of all, you've got to go acquire another country's passport. You can't just go, I'm going to go give up my U.S. passport. They won't let you do it unless you already have secured another country's passport. So that's a prerequisite. Okay, then in those days, years ago in 2007, you could do it fairly easily. In the old days, I I read somewhere that you could call the embassy in the morning, go in in the afternoon, do the expatriation, and pay about I don't know four hundred dollars, four fifty or something. They take your passport and you're out the door, and you're no longer a citizen of the United States. Okay. Um, now, as this started gaining momentum in earnest and getting up where there's 14, 15,000 people a year doing it, okay, uh, they started tightening it up. And now 
now, last I heard, if you want to start that process, you call the embassy and start it, and you won't finish it for between four and six months. And instead of charging you $400, they charge you $4,500 to do it now. Okay? So they put the kaitis on this. Now, let me tell you this story, Marilyn, because it's kind of interesting. When I was going to Argentina, I'd made the decision to move, and I was going to move without even going down there. Okay, And so my friend who had property there and went down there all the time, he said, well, I'm going down in October. Why don't you get a passport and, and come down with me? Just visit on a visit trip. And I said, okay. And that was the summer, I've mentioned it before, that they started requiring passports to go to Canada, Mexico, or the Caribbean. It used to be you could do that on a driver's license. And that was the summer that they changed it and required you to have at least a passport card. And so the passport office, because they they announced it late in the year, compared to however many people had vacations already planned and paid for. So when they made that rule change, man, the passport office got just swamped with applications of people that had these trips planned and now had to have a passport card. So it took a long time. Uh, you guys are anxious for yours. Well, hell, it took eight weeks, I think, or something before I got mine. Uh, anyway, so that was all going on. And so I got my passport, and I'm ready to fly down. I've never really flown internationally or anything. My buddy was an experienced international traveler. And because uh, you, you'll like this, Merca, he had greyhounds. You got you got uh, Babson hounds. Uh, my friend Riggins had greyhounds, and he raced them all over the world, Australia, Ireland, all these places that race have greyhound racing. At one point, he had 250 dogs in his backyard, greyhounds. Okay, And so he was an he has pretty wild. Uh, he was uh, an experienced traveler, and so he was in Atlanta, and I was in Florida, and I said, well, let's meet in Miami. And so, uh, you know, if you've ever taken any of those flights, when you go to the airport, the, that flight is always at the end of some long concourse. And so Riggins uh, got down there to the gate, and because he was a uh, – a seasoned traveler, he had all the sky cards and boarding whatevers and all that stuff. So he went and checked into the little check-in place real quick and went over and sat down. And I'd never done it before, so I, mine was precarious and whatever. It took longer. And so uh, by the time I get finished getting my boarding pass and everything, Riggins is sitting over there in the seats, and he's talking to this couple and a uh, guy and a gal. And so I uh, got my my boarding pass, and I went over and sat down uh, with them. And uh, Riggins said, Roger, I want you to meet so-and-so and so-and-so. They're with the embassy in Jamaica. It's very interesting, okay? And uh, they uh, were boyfriend, girlfriend, or something. Anyway, they were going on a month-long vacation to Argentina. And so they're there in the Miami airport, and just as we start to introduce and get to talking a little bit, they got their boarding call. And so they got up and went and boarded on the plane, and because I was a, a little different category, I had to wait till my little section was called or whatever. So anyway, they were ahead of me. And uh, I get on. I, I, I didn't see them there on the plane. I sat down with my friend, and 
it's a long overnight. It's a nine-hour flight down there. We're flying into BA, Buenos Aires. And uh, so, you know, if you're on one of those flights, you, you, most people can sleep a little bit. It's no kind of restful sleep, that's for sure. But anyway, as the sun starts coming up and people are waking up, well, what's the first thing they want to do, Marika? Uh, go to the bathroom. Or, go to the bathroom. Yeah. Okay. So this is one of those long, big planes, and there's a couple of bathroom stations there. And so I get up. I got to go relieve myself like everybody else. And uh, But there's so many at one time that there's a line of people waiting to use the restroom. And so I get into line, and right beside me is this guy from the Jamaican embassy. And he's a captive audience now because he's in a line waiting to get to the bathroom. And so we start talking a little bit, and I bring that up. And I just seen an article about it for this incident on this skyrocketing on the number of people that had done that or were doing it. And so I mentioned that to him, and I said, "Boy, you know, there's a huge, huge increase in the people that are expatriating right now. And he goes, that's what I do at the embassy. Wow. Aha. How about that? Huh? <laughs> Very cool. And I go, do you know there's two different types of citizenships in this country? And this guy's eyes got as big as eggs in the bottom of a slop bucket. Okay. And he goes, ah, ah, and he starts stuttering. And he goes, ah, ah, ah. I wouldn't know anything about that. You're going to have to talk to the attorneys up in D.C. about that. And he got out of line and went up that aisle like a scalded-ass gazelle to find another bathroom, and I never saw him again. Wow. How about that for an incident? Okay. So, uh, anyway, the the expatriation process is now it'll take you four to six months and cost you $4,500. You still got to get another passport to exchange yours for in the process as you go through it. And that is expatriation, Maryland, what they have accused you of in this correspondence, right? That, that's right. And um, I think that's, for me, that's one of the hardest things for me to wrap my head around is that delineation and how that works. I think Well, that's why we're going over it this morning, and that's why I'm glad you wrote me that and sent it to me, and we can discuss it, okay, because it's real important. Because, you see, we're not expatriating. You applied for a passport of the U.S. with your affidavit, and they sent it to you, didn't they? Yeah. You're not trying... And you're not trying to trade it, and you're not trying to trade it for another country's passport, are you? No. Then you're not expatriating, are you? No. You are repatriating to the original political status in our country for almost 100 years that they've changed the label on and hidden from us. So it sounds like it's a bluff letter, the first bluff letter from the police department. Well, it's not a bluff letter. They're saying they think she's expatriating and she's not a citizen of the United States anymore, which she's not. But they don't know about the national status. 
that's the hang up. And I think because let's face it, hopefully your little police department there is going to be getting more of these, right? As Marilyn, well, as Marilyn spreads the word among her social circle and other folks come to the party here, they may be getting some more of those, mightn't they? Yes. Well, don't you think it'd be real, like, civic of you to point their mistake out to them so that they don't make this further blunder in the future and make themselves look like idiots? Yeah. Okay, so that's the approach I'd take, and uh, you can do you can do a couple of things. You could go in and ask them what's the next step in my administrative appeal. You could do that, okay, or you could write them. Or, or it's a relatively small town, right, Marilyn? Um, well, yeah, the counties are small, and um, there's many counties here. And basically, where it went to is not as the distance away from here, but um, they are. Well, they, they said that I have to. At the bottom of the letter, um, there, there's several things going on here, but I have to work through the FBI to, and have the FBI come back with information to them to prove that. I am not um, renouncing my oh, citizenship. even better. Now we bring the FBI into the picture. We can help educate them. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and I'll tell you what. It challenge the accuracy of the record used in the evaluation of the replication or declare that your rights to possess a firearm have been restored. You must contact the FBI at the following address. The address and phone number, and then um, uh, restore the continued reconsideration of your carry concealed deadly weapon license replication. You must provide our agency, the police, with documentation from the FBI confirming that you were not the person associated with the disqualified prohibitor identified above, or confirming you are not prohibited. From the purchase, receipt, or possession of firearms and ammunition. Okay. Well, that's where we're going to bring the FBI in. I think you ought to call them and contact whoever they are, tell them the story, and let the FBI come back and tell them, hey, guess what? Marilyn can carry concealed, and she don't need no stinking license. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I mean, really, you don't have any of those requirements anymore because those are regulatory. And when you file that affidavit, you shed all regulations with the exception of two obscure IRS regulations. All the other ones, state, federal, are gone, gone. And you need to let these people know that because if they're the police in your local area, you want them to know that you don't need a license and you're still going to carry and you're totally on solid, legal, and lawful ground here. Okay. Okay. So I think the best thing to do is to go ahead and contact the FBI and say, I'd like to send you a copy of the affidavit that's on file with the Secretary of State. Here's a copy of my passport that I received with this same affidavit. And I've got this little problem over here. These people said I need to contact you. Will you please recognize my correct status and political standing and correct the police department? Yeah. 
I also posted um, the link for the Statute 66 Public Law 414 in FCC chat. Yeah, and see, and now we're going back and listen. The probably the local FBI agent you're going to contact, they probably don't know this. So you're going to have a chance to educate them because what are they going to do? They're going to call DC on it, aren't they? Probably. I think so. Sure, and they're going to get back hands off this gal. Okay. And so you're educating the FBI, a local agent. You're confirming through their actions the status at the head FBI and those damn thieves and murders. And uh, then you're going to help to educate through the FBI your local police department. How about that? Yeah. So I see it as a... I, I, let me just say this. I see it as a wonderful opportunity, and thank them for sending you that letter. You know, I debated on whether to even uh, reapply for that this past year. Right. And I thought, no, I'm going to go ahead and I think way to kind of work out better because it's educating me more, which I needed to get on this, but it was on the back burner, you know, just understand me more. And now it's pushed it up to the front where I'm really having to learn how this all works. Yes, and that's what we want to do because as you do that, guess what, Marilyn? You're going to get more empowered. All of a sudden, these people that are these local authorities that have been dinging you are going to go, up, oh, up, oh, Marilyn's not in our ballywick. And now you're empowered, right? They did what I wanted them to do. They recognized the law. Boom. And I just about guarantee that's going to be the outcome of that. Why do I say that? Because they recognize the U.S. national status on FBI background checks when people call in to purchase a firearm. If they recognize it in the background checks, you're not going to have any problems. Okay. So, congratulations. I want to thank you for bringing that to our attention so we can get on here and help everybody understand the intricacies of some of this, especially some of the newer people. Because, quite frankly, it's pretty damn hard to believe that you don't have to adhere to all that crap anymore, isn't it? I know. I mean, it's incredible what these people have pulled off here, folks. And the deeper you get into it, the more incredible it gets how easy it is to relieve yourself of the inconvenience. One one sentence, one piece of paper, one guy, and you're done. And they're done, too. So, congratulations, Marilyn. Do you have any other questions or, or comments about the, the situation? No, I think, like I said, I think it was really good because I really needed to figure this out more in um, the, the status, the different the different status, just like you were talking about on the plane, you know, it's, uh, it's so important, but it's kind of, it's a weird thing the way it works because oh, yeah. all our lives have been told this way and that's it. Yep. And you automatically impute all this power into these authorities. And the only reason they got power is because you answered those questions, yes. Amazing. 
Uh, I, you know, I think in, in the magic area, they call it, what, sleight of hand? This is the damnedest sleight of hand that's ever been pulled off in human history in my, in my book. How they could control a country totally and through that currency control the rest of the world off of this little trick right here. Amazing. Okay. Marilyn, so that gets you covered, girl. Thanks for joining us today, by the way. Thank you. Well, please, when you get some results from this, call call back in and let us know. Okay? But I don't think you're going to have any problems at all. And listen, little pistol-packing mama, you just continue to carry license or not because you don't need one now. Now, technically, when you went in and renewed that, uh, that license, wasn't one of the questions, are you a citizen of the United States? Gosh, I... May have been. I, I just about, I just about guarantee you it is, or resident. They may ask both, you know. But now you don't have to do that. And here's what you want to tell them in in your conversation. Look, I don't want to lie and be liable for any perjury or anything else. And I'm not a citizen of the United States anymore. I'm a U.S. national, and I don't want to lie to you. And I don't want nor do I need your license. Okay. You can use the public law to explain it to the chief. Yep. And not letting them, don't let them get intimidate you, Marilyn. Nope, don't. And, uh, and it'd really be, I think, nice if, or do you have an opportunity to go in and sit and speak to them personally? Are you that close? Well, what- no, but it does say that um, request for reconsideration, um, if this doesn't go through, I hereby request reconsideration of the revocation of my license. I understand that I have the right to petition the Kentucky State Police Commissioner, who's way up in Black Frankfurt, oh, well over an hour away, right. for the hearing. Right. So we're not asking well, for permission. And, and that, that right there is your administrative appeal. But you're not asking for permission, That's right. Well, I know that. I'm just pointing out that that's the administrative appeal, and they put it in the correspondence. If you don't agree with this, you can do this. Remember, you, you can't take them to court on it, even if you wanted to, because you haven't gone and done this extra appeal stuff. And, and, and we have patriots over the years that try and go uh, file a court case, and the clerk of the court goes, I can't accept that. You haven't exhausted your administrative remedies. Again, here's the administrative state, and they're a court of record, believe it or not. And these little things like going in front of this guy or talking to this guy or whatever are called administrative appeals. And after you've exhausted your administrative appeals and you're still not satisfied, that's when you file a lawsuit. But you got to do that first. So she would have to notice them and CC, AG, DA, and SOS again. No, 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 no. She's just dealing with the police and the FBI here, okay? Okay. But what you want to do, the point I'm trying to get at is if you can, in a very nice way, is say, you have misinterpreted this. You don't want to say you don't know your ass from the hole in the dirt, but you've misinterpreted this, and you're probably going to be getting more of these in the future, and you need to understand 
how to deal with them. Now, from your contact with them, now you're going to get the FBI over there confirming what you're saying, and maybe they'll listen and you can help educate them too. As I wrote you back, Marilyn, in one of my replies there at the end, we're in the educating business, dear. Now, this is a good part for you. The more you start educating people, the better you're going to learn this. And the better you're going to learn this, the freer you are. Okay. Okay? So yes, thank you. you need to go, you know, very politely to them. And I, I think educating your local officials, because all of a sudden they're going to be going, hold it, I've been lied to my whole damn life too. You may you may find some of so, those folks. So as far as my license, I still need to go and just send and give it to them so they don't cancel me at all right now. Yep, yep. Then call the FBI. I don't need it anyway, like you said, mm. but just give it to them because uh, so they don't ask me. I don't. So the FBI I don't think I don't think you got any problems. And if you put all these people on notice and bring the FBI in. And some occasion came up where they start hassling you again. You got them by the short hairs. Okay. So let us know how it turns out. That's the way that I would suggest you approach this. And I'll be, uh, and I think the rest of the audience will be quite interested to see how it turns out because I just about guarantee you it's going to turn out positive. I can't either, you know, I can't either. Now you can tell your friends that we're doubting Thomas's. Have you got some of your friends you've told about this? They go, well, we're going to wait and see how Marilyn does, right? Have you had any of that? All the time. Well, now you're going to get to go, look here. Yeah. Okay. So follow through on a little of that. If you get any bumps in the road. Please rejoin us or shoot me an email, and uh, let's see you get through this little maze uh, unscathed. Okay, that's and, great. Thank and, you. and you're going to be the pistol packing mama in Kentucky. <laughs> So, thanks for bringing that to us, uh, Marilyn. I thank the police department for being such idiots for me. Yeah. I'll I'll make sure to say that. No, I mean, just say, listen, obviously you, like me, when I found this, need to be re-educated so you can perform your job correctly. Okay. And if they give you any problem, ask to speak to their attorney. Mm. Who, who who would be their attorney? The city attorney or somebody like that? Okay, that uh, you might ask. Well, yeah, well, you might ask to speak to them. Uh, that brings uh, something up that I wanted to also. Abram, are you with us today by any chance? Abram, I, I end up, I, I, you know, we get these conversations on the air, and I noodle on them. 
you know. And Abram came on with the divorce thing, and the judge came down and said, y'all remember this from the other day, and uh, this is the uh, decision from the Eighth Circuit, the appellate level on sovereign citizen, and it appears that that's what this guy's doing. Abram, I hope you're with us. I was hoping you were. If not, I will mention it next week. You want to appeal that. Because I have a feeling that the court he was in was a Wisconsin state court. That's generally where you go in to handle divorces, not federal court. Okay, And he needs to have that comment from that judge corrected and and put into a much clearer interpretation. And he may have to appeal it up to the next level, whatever Archer. the next level in the state of Wisconsin is. Yes, Mark. Abram's not here, but Frankie jumped on and she has a question regarding some passport issues well frankie um, double check okay well frankie that was my uh my former wife's name uh frankie come on forward and center let's hear your question dear or guy maybe a guy no it's, Francesca, it's a, okay she goes by frankie okay hey frankie hi roger we've talked before how are you doing oh i'm hanging oh. in there that's good um we had talked before, and you told me uh, what to send in for the passport because uh, they sent my stuff back, and I got a rebuttal letter and all that garbage they love to put on. I'm not even going to go through the stupid letter because it's dumb. Oh, you want me to tell you the first so sentence? I- you want me to tell you the first paragraph? See if I'm right. It appears by what you've submitted that you're a citizen of the United States. It quotes the 14th Amendment, and then it says, blah, 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 except by operational laws, the last on the paragraph. Is that the first paragraph? Pretty much, yes. Okay. Pretty much. That's very easy to rebut. That's very easy to rebut. Well, here's the thing. Um. Right now, uh, I talked to an attorney and got a free consultation. What it is is uh, I wasn't born here in the United States, but through an open adoption procedure, my everything was left open, and there's loose ends. So now they're getting everything confused of where I was born and then processed through. And now with my new name, it, it, it's a mess. Okay. So well, now. The told me they're not. Go ahead. I'm sorry. The lawyer told me if they're not. That's okay. The lawyer told me if they're not recognizing right now the name that I was officially born. Under. Okay, so it has nothing to and do with it, it. It has nothing to do with the affidavit. This is about your all your personal situation. Yes. So I basically uh, we're going to try and cheat the system. Because if if they're asking for something, I'm going to give them exactly what they're asking for. No more, no less. Yep. They're going to have to work for it because if I have to work for it, so do they. Okay. Well, if they continue to give you problems that you can't satisfy, what's your next question to them? What is the next step in my administrative appeal? So I guess that'll be my third step since I've basically sent off. Like we, that's why I'm late on the show. We just got back from the post office and getting everything notarized. So okay. Uh, it was off. Okay, Frankie, question. Where were you born? 
Italy. Uh, were your parents military? No. Okay. I'm not sure about Italy. I think Italy may be one of the countries in Europe where they have just, just sanguineous, which is a legal term for hereditament by blood. Some of those countries over there, you know how you've heard if your grandparents were Greek, I know Greece is one of them, Poland is one of them, Spain is one of them, uh, and there's probably a couple others, those I know. Uh, if your even your grandparents were Spanish, you can go to Spain and uh-huh. submit that documentation and get a Spanish passport because they're under this law of just sanguineous, which means your hereditament is transferred by blood and not assigned by where you're born. That's why that's why people can I just for a teaching moment for the audience. That's why people can go back okay. and get those foreign passports is because those countries their hereditament law is just sanguineous and not just era. The 14th Amendment, that's the way ours was until they brought the 14th Amendment in and brought in the feudal system, and now it's just era. You're assigned the political status according to where you're born. Tierra in in Latin and Spanish meaning lands, dirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, let us know. Let us know how that turns. Let, uh, let let us know how that turns out, Frankie. Okay. All right. All right. I'm sorry you're having those problems, yep. but uh, you can understand that. Now, see, this goes to the other side of this is the passport office doing their job. They want to make sure you qualify before they send you that document. And what that does is it just further buttresses all of us that have got it with an affidavit because they comply with all the stuff they got to do internally. And it shows how important that document is, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Okay, hold on. I'll get you a second. Don't try and inject while we're having this conversation. I'll get to you. What, Frankie? Uh, it doesn't help that I, well, it helps, uh, and I've got to pull all this out and see how I uh, do my administrative appeal if they don't accept all this. But uh, I also have dual citizenship, which they're forgetting. Okay, so you, are you an Italian citizen too? Yes. Okay, well, that's that's just that's just sanguineous in action. You've got an Italian passport, I would think. So anyway, well, let us know how it turns out. As you can tell, some of this stuff gets real complex in people's individual circumstances. But uh, let us know. And all you got to do if they refuse to issue it is you go back and say, well, what do I need to satisfy what you got? If you can't provide it, that's when you ask the question, what's the next step in my administrative appeal? Okay. Okay. And then you had talked to my husband, uh, Ron, about his passport, and he's going to let you know the up-to-date on that. Thank oh. you, Roger. Okay, Frankie. Well, you're welcome. Are y'all, y'all are the, the folks out in Washington State, right? Ohio. Ohio. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember now. We talked to so many people. Like, yes. Yes, there's, yes, ma'am. Uh, I would like to add something to what she just said. It took me from September to September the following year to get a passport because I had two husbands pass away and a whole lot of different things going on, and I always had to have the original. 
I thought I was never going to get it, but I yeah. kept trying and trying. Got to go through the process. It took me a year. Okay, well, the perseverance pays off, and thank you for telling us that. Was Ron going to say something? I don't know. Uh, Frankie, was Ron going to yeah. say something? Okay, well, kick him on there. Okay, Ron, we'll let's just get. Wait until... Go ahead. We'll just wait until uh, what? Until uh, Frankie gets her stuff situated, and then we'll bring all of it together. Then. <laughs> okay, we'll have a. We'll do a whole show on it. How about that? <laughs> Well, if you're, I know it's hard to remember, but I got denied as well and asked for the documents. And I so, like we kind of discussed, I drowned them in it. So I can rattle off everything I gave them. And I got my passport two days ago. Oh, good. Now, did they give you one of those letters on giving us six other pieces of information, identification? Yes. Uh The same one that she got. Okay. So what I did was I sent all the paperwork back. I gave him a copy of my original registration on life of birth. My mother's signature that was asking for it, I gave her, I gave my, uh, my on my dad's side, my uh, grandfather's uh, World War One registration, which says he's natural born. I gave them, on top of that, uh, my other grandfather, which is Samuel Earl Suther, which came over and was a sole survivor of a ship from Germany wow. in 1722. Holy okay, smokes. If, if, no, no, okay, we are, I'm not done. <laughs> uh, I gave them one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine separate IDs, including a social security card, my fishing license for this state. <laughs> Wait, 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 calm down, calm down, calm down. Hey, I'm just warm enough. I gave him my, I gave him my, uh, my text, uh, for my, uh, paycheck stuff from 97. I gave him my, uh, another, uh, California ID. And I gave him one from, uh, King's Collision here in, uh, in Hubbard in Ohio. And then, see, a Rust Belt Broncos where I work now. I gave them that to prove that I'm not there. I gave them a 99 W-2 earnings summary. Uh, let's see, what else I got here? Oh, oh um, from Jack Sanders painting in Sanger, California, way back in, I want to say, 90, uh, 96. Wait, wait, oh, wait, wait, wait. Now, now, okay. I also got a safety fire, a California Department of Justice firearm safety, safety certificate. I sent them that copy. I gave them a rocket mortgage deal. I gave them a Daryl's mini storage deal. I gave them Liberty Mutual for insurance. Keep laughing. I'm getting warmed up. <laughs> they couldn't. They couldn't wait to get that passport back to you, Ron. <laughs> I think he basically gave them, them everything but the toilet. <laughs> Hold on, we're talking about a rental property from beforehand. Hold on, we're getting there. I gave him my rental agreement from I don't know six years ago. I gave him my seller's permit because I had a body shop. Oh, and my, and my uh, yeah, my, my California State Board of Equalization, which tells them something else. I gave them copies of my my uh, divorce papers and the date they were filed. Yeah, enough of them. Well, obviously not. My uh, <laughs> fire side and from a vehicle loan, and in uh, in 1983, I gave them Chachima School District fully my student progress report. Wow. Well, like I said, they probably couldn't wait to get that document back to you. <laughs> They're afraid you're going to send them something else. 
Well, I have more. I just want to stop there. No, I, you, and see, as I've said, the, these obstacles we get from the passport office, we don't get them often, but we get them occasionally, are fairly easily overcomable. Yours is probably the most difficult because there's very few people, I'm sure, Ron, that could lay their hands on that many ID documents uh, and send it to them. I'm sure you've heard what our friend Harvey did to satisfy that, and he did the same thing. He just overloaded them with 35 or 40 affidavits or something, and same thing. They couldn't wait to get that passport back to him. Well, because my original registration line of birth is from uh, Jackson County, Oregon, which is Medford, Oregon, Southern Oregon. All right. Uh, And along with that, if you go see how the bloodline follows the mail line from 1722, my my great great grandfather ran with the militia. He was a minister. Wow! So that was way before any of the Fourteenth Amendment. So that proves oh. I am not that. Uh, 150 years before it. Yeah. See, so um, yeah, I, my family's been and on my mother's side. Uh, my family's been here since sixteen twenty three. Holy smokes! So. Yeah, so I got a lot. If they don't like it, I don't much care at this point. Well, isn't it nice for the audience? Isn't it nice for us to hear these success stories dealing with these crooks? Well, now I have I have the I got the passport, and you know you hear all about these stars and this and that. And I don't worry about uh, later on. Don't worry about. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not all that worried. Uh, our our people, right? Well, our people are a little bit anal and paranoid, and they dwell on some of those topics that they shouldn't dwell on too much. Yeah, and that's why I mean things change so much, and I understand the security codes. I get all that, um, so I'm not that worried. But I'm going to get the uh, the passport ID card because from here on out, that's all I want to use. And I don't make in between that and a fishing license, which it even says on the license, this is a valid uh, affidavit. Oh, good, does it? And, and by looking at up all this stuff, even an expired ID is because an affidavit you don't give an expiration date. No, and you or everything you sign is an affidavit to get an identification. Correct. Correct. Okay, so even if that license, regular ID, a library, whatever it is, if it if that affidavit has not been rebutted, like you said. It still stands regardless if the expiration date. So if a cop pulls and asks for that, he has to take it. Yeah, uh, an expired ID, like a driver's license, even, okay? Let, let's use a driver's license as an example. An expired driver's license is not a viable license to drive anymore, but it is correct. identification. You know, it, it, in other words, your your response is, look, the license may be expired, but I'm not. Well, even on, even on my license, I, it, I, I have printed on it, and I heard this from a judge. Hey, put, get one of your little sticky tape thing, you know, the little uh, thing, the label makers, yeah. but not for hire or retired. And that should tell a cop right there okay. if they've been taught that. And so I've, I've done that, and people look at it. And they, they they kind of have this funny look. I was like, it, it's fine, it, it just don't. And, and they they don't want to understand, so they it kind of just goes. It, everything kind of stops there. Right. Um, I wanted to add real quick, Roger, if I could, for people to help them out. Do not walk into any office 
and let them turn you down when you go to get any documentation notarized. I am a notary. You are no, I'm now able to accept expired driver's license as an official ID. ID. Okay. Not let a notary. That that's where the that's where the rubber meets the road right there. Thank you for giving us that. You're welcome. And you can find it online too. Look up what a notary is, what they can accept and what they can't. You will find it now updated online that they can take an expired ID. Okay. Now, Ron, I, I want to suggest to you that you put that card passport app in quick and get that back now that you've got your other one. And then, as you know, there's a number of people of our students here that that's the only ID they carry. Now, you're right in the fact that you carry your fishing license because the fishing license has your physical address on it. And there are some instances we've come across and reported to us, especially purchasing firearms. That's the one place where they now require an address, and it's not on your passport card. So that's where the fishing license comes in. Well, okay, yeah, I get that. And but, but along with doing, they want a physical address like DMV, your your motor motor vehicle. They want a physical address too. Right, right. They won't accept PO box. But now, along with that, what I did do, and this came from the uh, the post office, I gave them the address of the post office. Okay, like general delivery. General delivery. Exactly. It's a physical address. They did not say it had to be mine. Right. And, and you know, suite number on a building, PO box. What y'all may not know is that you can still do mail general delivery. And just send general delivery to Merca in whatever town she's in in Southern California. And Merca goes by the post office and says, is there any mail for me in general delivery? Yep. Uh, now, here's another point, Ron, that I was thinking while you were talking about that. Is your fishing license a resident or non-resident fishing license? Non-resident. Good man. You're you're going right with the program. Okay, get you in a second. Yeah, so, and then you can then we can go, I can go down. Um, they don't put pictures on these here, or they used to. They don't now. Um, so I can go down to the uh, the wildlife office, wherever that is, in uh, and have my uh, second my other passport picture ID put on it, and that that's that would be my legit legal lawful. Yep. State ID that yep. you can't deny. Yep. And the fact and, that I have not been fishing since I was 13, I have no juris- they have no jurisdiction there anyway. That's right. And um, So that, do we have to get a license? No, 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 you don't. But if you get in a situation where it's a requirement for that they get a physical address, that's one way to overcome that. Pretty cheap. Oh, although, although, realize I'm from Florida. You know, and uh, so, and, and there's something I've toyed with a bunch for me. Should I go back and go fishing? Do I go get a non-resident fishing license where you have to pay a hundred dollars or more? Or Florida's got a law that if you're over 65, I don't know that you need a fishing license anymore. But I remember hearing something th- like that. This resident, non-resident yeah. thing is with all states, uh, especially big fishing states. And if you, but I'm glad you got a non-resident one. Good thinking on your part. Yeah, and, and, and along with the fishing, 
go okay uh, if, if 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 the lake is privately owned and you don't, you don't the fish are stocked you can have to have a license if it's open water or a free flowing river uh-huh. you don't have to have a license you're kidding it depends on the state wow yeah that's that very that varies from state to state that's really interesting now, you have the owner's permission, and it's his stock and his lake. That's your deal. Then, now, now then you're back that's to all a, you need. Yeah, now you're back to just dealing with the owner directly, mm-hmm. and uh, fishing game has nothing to do with it. Sure, right? Long, they can't do nothing. They have nothing. To do right, with right. Well, very interesting. Very interesting. So, uh, well, sounds like you guys are on the right track and doing real well. Okay. I'm going to look into that. Okay, and then Johnny jumped on to Roger. He has questions. Okay, Johnny, you there, buddy? Uh, yes, hi, Roger. Can you hear me? Yeah, man. Loud and clear. Uh, first of all, it's the first time we've hi. spoken, right? Uh, maybe second or third, maybe. Okay, we're, we're in the... Uh, remind me. Remind me where in the country you are. So I'm from, from uh, California. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Um, so my question uh, was uh, in regards to the WABN. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm currently... Trying to get my employer to stop uh, my withholdings. Yes. I the form. Right. Uh, IRS is already on notice about my uh, status change and all that. Yeah. Um, he's uh, being hesitant right now. He, the employer. Uh, he's scared of process. Okay. Here's what you do. Yeah. I got. I got. I got your remedy. Okay. Take a BEN completed. Go by IRS and get them to stamp it approved. Then go give it to him. Uh, so I just do I go to, do I find a local IRS office? Or yeah. How do I, yep. How do I contact? The well, IRS? you might call them first and ask them and say, "I've got a WBEN form here, and I want to get it approved, stamped approved from your office, because uh, my my employer uh, is hesitant or whatever, however you want to say it." But or you can just drop by there and ask them to approve it anyway. <laughs> Excuse me, but <clears throat> I'll bet that will overcome your problem. Okay. Hey, guys. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Very simple. Most of the answers to these are fairly simple. And quite frankly, before Joe Lustica joined us, I had no idea what forms, because I haven't messed with that stuff for 30 years. Uh, But Joe has done the, again, the pioneering work here and in a lot of different areas. And I I tip my hat to him and I appreciate him greatly. And I I know his, uh, the person that, Goddess Joe is named Kay. And Kay and her husband are old-time listeners from when I first started. And then we lost touch for a few years as they got off on personal stuff. And then they came back around. And Joe was Kay's grandson's guitar teacher. That's how we found him. Or he found us, whichever. But we can thank Joe Lustig hey, for that. Hey, for that. Yes, yeah, okay. Who was the first female there? Frankie, uh, Ron wanted to help that guy out from California. Okay. Hey, uh, seeing how I've, I lived there for 40 years, but look at it. Go to Cornell uh, Law, look at CFR 26, third, subsection 313402. It's Voluntary Withholdings Agreement, Employer Employee Agreement. Look it up, turn it out, read it. Okay. Is I got a copy to Mark. Okay. 
Does that help you out? So we give you a little track to run on there. I don't think if you go get that approved and stamped by the IRS, your employer's not going to have much choice but to accept it. Correct. See, here's okay, what's happened. You, here's what's happened. And this is a good example of this. They've made employers withholding agents for the IRS. And that's what he is. Okay. And he's, believe me, he, he, uh, employers are more scared of the IRS than you are. Okay. So this is the fear that's been embedded in him because of that situation. And you just need to console him with that approved stamp or whatever they stamp it with that this is the right way to do and uh, that he has to accept it. He's the withholding agent. You're giving him your statement. He's got to accept it, even though he's reticent. And now when you get it stamped, that should overcome any apprehensions he has. Okay. If it doesn't, Come okay. visit. Come back and visit us. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Roger. You're welcome. All right. Who else? Who? There was two females that were trying to compete. Roger. Yes. All right. Hold on. We're gonna do. We're gonna do deal with the female first. Go ahead. Okay. I was wanting to know. My husband and I uh, sent in our passport to be renewed this year because it expired this year, and mm-hmm. we had sent off. Some of the paperwork um, for our status, or excuse me, our status change. Yes, ma'am. But we we need to send off the rest of it, and we got our passports back, and they have a different uh, passport number on them. Do we need to change our paperwork with and put the new passport number on it, or do we use the old one still? Well, if it's if the, whatever the question they're asking you, if it's for identification, the old number will work. But uh, if they need a current passport, put your new one in. Did you get your affidavit in with the passport application when you renewed? Yes. Okay, well, then you ought to be clear. You could use either one. Actually, if you got your affidavit in and got it renewed, I'd use the new number because that's going to go back in reference to your status. Okay. Do we need to send our affidavit? What? Do we need to send our affidavit with a new passport? Do we? So we need to send the new affidavits with the new passport number then. Well, I, the I'm uh, I don't hold on. I'm I'm confused. Uh, uh, no, all you have to do is send a copy of your affidavit with a short cover letter to IRS. But it needs to have the new passport number, right? Nope, nope. Oh, if you want to put it, listen, if you want to put it on there, you can to further buttress your affidavit. But no. that you, I don't think you need to. You, with IRS, you can just send them. Believe me, they're getting enough of these up there. They know what the hell they are, and they know we've pulled their incisors. <laughs> you know, their canine teeth. I see. Their canine teeth, you pulled them. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. Hard to believe, I know, but um, but you did. That, I was wondering, did the passport number change because we changed our status? No, I think it probably just no. I, no, I don't know that they give you the same passport number when you renew. It's just I I don't know. Okay, I would think that they don't, but I don't know. Like here in Ecuador. I do know when you go through and get residency here, 
they get your ID documents called a cedula. And I'm in the process. Mine expired, my temporary residency. I'm trying to get it go through again. I've been waiting. I've been working on this since January. Uh, and that's how uh, countries' bureaucracies work. But I was told that when I do get that completed and I get another valid cedula, it will have that same cedula number. But I don't think the U.S. does that with passports. Okay. So I wouldn't worry about it. Okay. Okay. All right. So, do we get anything okay. else? Anything well, else? You. Anything else you're querying about? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Well, sounds Good like job. you guys are off on the straight and narrow too. So, just keep learning, keep reinforcing, keep growing. It's the learning that enhances your empowerment. That's how you're going to get empowered is you learn this information, just like Marilyn came on today with that and going, I'm having to delve back into this and understand it. And as you do that, you will become empowered. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So who else? There's a couple other people. You're welcome. Uh, There's a couple other people that had questions, I thought. Hey, Roger. Yes, sir. Hey, Devin from Michigan. Devin, my buddy. How you doing? I want to thank you, Devin, publicly for what you're doing and the initiative you've taken to complete that booklet. Because when I listened to the tape that you sent me of it, you taught me some stuff that I didn't know either. You know, you got to thank Joe because, uh, you know, I pulled a lot from uh, Joe, too, especially the, uh, um, uh, what you may call it, like the, the, uh, the Bill of Rights, the Incorporation Doctrine. That, that, Joe's that, so that, that is exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, now, yeah that was huge. For the uh, audience, that, go that over that. Why don't you pull? Can you? Do you have access to your handbook or memory? Can you repeat that as this applies to the Bill of Rights and how they pulled this off? Because see, my understanding to that point was you didn't have any access to the Constitution, but that's not true. They went in for the citizens of the United States and tailored each Bill of Right to the new slave status. So you do have access to some of those bills of rights, but we were on guns earlier, okay? So what did they do? They 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 kind of left the Second Amendment in place, but they make you get a license so they can control it, don't they? Yes. Um, I'm pulling this up. So I haven't I have a printed off hard copy of my older version. Yeah. Um, but I, it doesn't look like I have. The incorporation doctrine in that one. Well, I remember. Long story short, like, basically what they did was uh, so traditionally the amendments only applied, like, uh, when dealing with the federal government, at least is what the article says. But what they did was they're like, oh, so for U.S. citizens, we as the federal government, we promise to use these specific uh, uh, rights from the Bill of Rights and to make it seem like that you have these against your state. Right. And, uh, you know, okay, you know, that's great. But, of course, the problem with that, of course, is your laws are coming from man instead of God. And unlike God, man tends to degrade over time and forget things. (laughs) So, you know, now here we are. Yeah. And you see the other part, the other side of the coin here is they couldn't have made this switch 
and totally eliminated your access to those or people would have known what was going on. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I believe I put the statement in the handbook. Uh, you know, you don't have, uh, um, you know, God-given rights. What you have are um, 14th Amendment-granted privileges that are designed to emulate those rights. Exactly. And, of course, your common individual won't know the difference. Nope. So good work on that, and it enlightened me. And I'm going to see if I can remember. They let you have the first. I don't believe there was any qualifications on that, even though they're, they're they're trying to roll over that right now. Owen Stroyer, as an example. In the Second Amendment, they made you get a license to participate to own a firearm. And we, as we got down to the back of the 10, 7, 8, 9, and 10, you don't have access to it all, if I remember right. Yeah, what it boils down to is... Uh um, so you, so uh, the military can freely take over your house, um, but that has never been. There's never been any reason to, you know, challenge. That. Yeah, well, yeah, let me tell you what. That's probably coming. That's probably what they're going to use with all these illegals if they call them and say, "Well, you can go have Devin's house and go ahead and kick him out, and it's yours." That's probably what they're relying on right there. Yep. Yeah, there's that. And then there's uh, a couple of other amendments that are uh, um, partially incorporated. Yes. And by partially, all that really means is that, you know, anything that has to do with common law or jury is gone. Yes. Yes. And the reason why and as the reason and they could they can't have them. No. The federal government government needs exclusive jurisdiction over the U.S. citizens to, quote-unquote, protect them from invasions of their state. Yeah, right. And if they allowed common law and, uh, you know, grand juries and whatnot, they they would be under the jurisdiction of their counties within their state. So, yeah. you know, that that's bye-bye. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then the last two are basically, uh, you know, hey, any rights not explicitly stated in this document go to the people or to the states. Yeah. And, of course, the federal government's not going to have that over its citizens. Right. And I think they messed up partially with the fourth and the fifth, too. But they had to leave them in some part intact. But like the second, they went in and put qualifications on them in some sort. I just don't remember. But I was really shocked when I heard you go over that because I've never been exposed to that before on how they did it. And I really thank you for it. Hey, like I said, you know, it, it was, you know, thank Joe, too, because, you know, he dug that up, and then I, you know, really dug deeper into it when I was incorporating it into the handbook, and it's like, oh, wow, this is really important, because, uh, like I said, one of the angles on how I'm writing up this handbook is, you know, you got to know who you're talking to, yes. and if we just walk up to a government official, attorney, or CPA and say, hey, we're all slaves and you agree to it they're gonna be like get the fuck out of here yeah who's this who's this wacko i'm sorry who's this uh language that's Uh, okay Uh, we cross the carlin line occasionally when it's deemed um yeah who is this tinfoil hat guy Yes, Paul. Yeah, but let's see. You Paul, know, coming on with Paul, this, like, oh yeah, yeah, he, Paul's gonna, history, and you know, uh, yeah, we, yeah, they're they're just trying to save the slaves, and right. everything went sour. Right, Paul's you know, that, good. That's a lot more let's, digestible. Let's see. People. Let's see if Paul's going to chastise us here. Yes, Paul. Yes, I am going to chastise you completely, and I think I'm going to use page 27 of his doctrine if you would like me to read it. Yes. Yes, for the audience. This is for all you folks out there. Teaching moment. Here it is. 
this is chapter four of the uh, the National Citizenship Handbook, and it's available on docs.exposethematrix.com. Um, the incorporation doctrine is a constitutional doctrine through which parts of the first ten amendments of the United States Constitution, known as the Bill of Rights, are made applicable to the states through the due process clause of the 14th Amendment. Incorporation applies both substantively and procedurally. Prior to the doctrines and the 14th Amendment's existence, the Supreme Court found the Bill of Rights to only apply to the federal government and to federal court cases. States and state courts could choose to adopt similar laws, but were, but were under no obligation to do so. After the passage of the 14th Amendment, the Supreme Court, through a string of cases, found that the due process clause of the 14th Amendment included applying parts of the Bill of Rights to states referred to as incorporation. Yep. As a note, the Ninth Amendment and the Tenth Amendment have not been incorporated, yep. and it is unlikely they ever will be. Unless you file an affidavit. Go ahead. The text of the Tenth Amendment directly interacts with state law, and the Supreme Court rarely relies on the Ninth Amendment when deciding cases. The First Amendment, fully incorporated. The Second Amendment, fully incorporated. The Third Amendment, not incorporated. The Fourth Amendment, fully incorporated. The Fifth Amendment, Partially incorporated, right to indictments by a grand jury not incorporated, and Hurtado v. California, 110 U.S. 516 from 1884. The Sixth Amendment, partially incorporated, right to jury selected from residents of the state and district where the crime occurred, not incorporated. Seventh Amendment, not incorporated. Eighth Amendment, there's no notation there whether it was incorporated or not. This doctrine defines rights that citizens of the United States have against their state as provided by the federal government. Instead of reinventing the wheel, the federal government copied over the rights from the Bill of Rights that they thought would be most important for their citizens. Common law is completely unavailable to U.S. citizens as they are under the exclusive authority of the federal government. As a U.S. citizen who receives the right of due process under the 14th Amendment does not have access to these protections in the Constitution. Yep. And the Tenth Amendment is the Tenth Amendment is the one about states retaining their jurisdiction, and that's the one that applies to us that isn't available to Fourteenth Amendment citizens. And the Seventh, I believe, the Seventh Amendment. Correct me if I'm wrong, Devin, has to deal with uh, twenty twenty dollars in real money in a some some sort of any kind of an altercation uh anyway it has to do with real money 20 in do, in silver you know the other day when we were talking about contracts and you go i i gave you 10 dollars in silver and other valuable consideration that meets that 7th amendment i have the protections mm-hmm. left out um 
in in Devin's conclusions, and the conclusions are awesome. Okay. The protections left out are as follows. The Third Amendment, soldiers of the U.S. military may freely quarter themselves within the homes of U.S. citizens. The Fifth Amendment, you may be convicted of a crime without a grand jury, which means that your conviction is determined not by your neighbors, but by the federal government. Yep. The Sixth Amendment, in the same line as the Fifth, the federal government is the final authority on your conviction. The Seventh Amendment, no jury or common law, federal government has final authority. And the Ninth and Tenth Amendments are not even mentioned. They're not incorporated, uh, never will be. Any rights unspecified by default belonging to the federal government and the Constitution may be construed to deny rights retained by the people. Yeah, let's promote Devin's book again. I know you've got it on the docs thing. Devin's gone to an awful lot of trouble to put this together, and I applaud you. All of y'all that take your own initiative and do things like this, I applaud you, okay? And I thank you. And for all people that might be listening, it's, uh, what, 49 pages, something like that, Devin? Oh, no, it's it's 60 now. Oh, he revised it. pages Okay, now, well, it's available. On, it's available on the website, and it's docs at thematrixdocs.com or docs at escape docs. the mess. Yeah. Docs.exposematrix.com. Okay. And any of you are free to use that, free to print it, free to give it to people. Devin's put an awful lot of time and trouble into making this available to us. And, again, we all thank you, Devin. Now, what were you going to say a second ago? Yeah, I'd like to add, and I think this is very important to include um, in describing this document. You know, I didn't just, uh, you know, kind of run all this from memory. Um, every single piece of evidence is broken down, and every single evidence either points to a link, you know, so you can actually click on a link and open a page and look at the evidence. Yep. Or if it's a definition from Black's Law Dictionary, it tells you what edition and what page it's on. Good. So every single piece of evidence and how this entire thing is built, you know, you, you can open up and look at it, look at the evidence yourself. Uh, and I think that's a very important facet of it because then it goes from, you know, just being a document where I'm just spitting off information and can be construed as an opinion at, you know, to, you know, Hey, you know, here it is right here. Right. So if you're sitting down with an attorney right. and they start fussing about a conclusion, Oh, well, which piece of evidence do you not agree with? Well, yeah. let's go look, you know, let's look at it. And if they can't rebut any of it, it's like, well, listen, you're not, rebutting any of it so you're wrong sorry yeah uh it's like uh, mike's situation down in irondale and i i still my jaw almost drops open that that magistrate would say we're not recognizing this affidavit i mean okay miss tyranny what else don't you recognize is that the sun's gonna come up tomorrow uh, it's ridiculous okay but that this is our job on the re-education process, because now Mike is re-educating that magistrate and that prosecutor, isn't he? Yes, he is. Okay. Just like the boys in Louisiana going to the a lawyer at the Secretary of State's office going, hey, look, I'm a national. It's the same thing according to Brown versus Board and the Secretary of State's policy document here. They're the same thing. Why can't I participate. 
Boy, that's powerful right there to the lawyer at the uh, over charge of elections at the Secretary of State's office in Louisiana. That's powerful, folks. This is how you hold these guys. Pardon. This is how you hold these guys' feet to the fire and help educate them. What, Devin? Was your comment? So, you know, back to my original comment <laughs> before we got talking about the handbook. Um, I had an idea across my mind um, in terms of dealing with all these local fiefdoms. Um, so, let's say uh, I wanted to drive around without a license. You know, what if I drafted a little letter, an affidavit containing facts, and sent it over to the DMV, the chief of police? And I know we do this to affirm our status. Yep. But like, uh, so say I draft a little letter that contains, you know, evidence, conclusions, you know, just like how I do in my handbook. Yep. And I send it to these people who have final authority on these matters. Yep. You know, with the condition, you know, listen, you know, feel free to send back a letter rebutting any of my facts, and if you have a rebuttal, we'll discuss this in more detail. However, if you don't respond in 30 business days, all this will be considered accepted. Now, let's say three years later, I'm driving around. Uh, I don't have plates. I'm just going off my passport. I get arrested and thrown in jail and then and end up uh, fighting my state on this. I pull that sucker out. It's like, listen, I have a, a confirmation. You know, I, I asked you guys about this. You didn't say shit, so yeah. here I am. So and, then, and when they kind of and if they don't respond in thirty days, you follow up with a letter of agreement by default. Yep. Okay. Yep. And I think that's a, I think that's a. Uh, let me tell you this: that's a great idea, and especially for the people that want to press the envelope and drive without tags and stuff, that ought to be a prerequisite for you doing that. There's about, I mean, how many Supreme Court cases are there on this driving, traveling issue? There's a bunch of them, eight, ten plus, okay? Incorporate those into that, whatever you want to put in about a national, a na, you know, a Nationality Act of 1940, a national of total allegiance to a small state, that kind of stuff you could also incorporate in it. And see how they react because they can't rebut it. We know they can't. Mm-hmm. Raj, Raj, if I may, yes, I have a I have a question uh, and I have a plea. Um, I have a beg, um, a prayer, whatever. Devin, when you come up with that document, I would so appreciate a copy of it. Oh, yeah, let all of us have it. If you want to sit down and do the work, the legwork on drafting that and get, make it available to everybody, what most people, I think most people here don't want to take that reach, but some do. And for the people that do want to press the envelope here, that's a really solid idea, Devin. Thank you. Yeah, I like it. I mean, we're just working off the principles we're already doing, except we're just bringing down the scale. You're bringing in additional due process because you're giving them additional notice with specifics. Another thing, Roger, um, I sent out my notices to CPS and Education Board, and I have not got received the green card back from them. Yeah. Um, D.C. or California. I only got AG and... Um, <sighs> I don't remember the other one. I had two of them that I sent up, but I got two. And these are the officials that we already noticed. Okay. But nothing from CPS or education. Yeah, well, CPS don't want to believe they can't come grab your kid. 
Right. So maybe I need to do a follow-up with yeah. one of those. Well, you could do a nice little follow-up and go, as I've not gotten any rebuttal or response, this will be defaulted in my favor, something to that effect. Yeah. Silence, silence, silence. You know, here, here's the phrase you want to use. Silence deems consent. Yeah, I like that. Yes, Devin. Just a real, so real quick. Uh, so if you don't get your green cards back, I found that uh, you can just go to your uh, local post office and ask them about it. And they will like, that. you can ask them to email a digital version, basically, of that green card. Oh, yeah, uh, and idea. then you got that information. Right. Yeah, I was going to look online and do a screenshot, but I, I would rather get a confirmation from them. Yeah, well, sometimes, legitimately for the post office, sometimes those little kind of little cards get stuck in a magazine or a newspaper and just don't get delivered. They get lost in the shuffle. And I can promise you that because, you know, I work for Pitney Blows. I, that's what I call them, Pitney Bowes, for a few years. And the, we knew more about postal regulations than the post office did. Okay. And we had to know that to go in and sell mailing equipment to businesses. Okay. And one of the field trips they took us on, the post office has these things called regional mail facilities. And it's where all the local stuff gets dumped in and they process it for the, the rest of the distribution in the U.S. And now this was back in the 80s. And I, I can't remember how many. The, the regional mail facility in Atlanta is right next to the airport. And they've got all these automatic OCR machines in there. And back in the 80s, they were processing something like 10 million pieces of mail a day. Okay. So if very, you, very convenient for CPS and education board. Yep. But uh, I, I, you can do a follow up as I've not heard from you. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna dictate that that means you accept and leave it at that. Again, the way we learn things here is when we get in these situations and we press the envelope and see if they respond or how they respond. So you got to be Inspector Clouseau. No, what? Colombo. Inspector Colombo. Oh, 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 wait, wait, just one more thing. Just one more question. Right. So, okay, got a couple minutes left. Was there anybody that's been marginalized and didn't get their question or comment in on this very brisk Saturday discussion? I have a question. Okay, good. I'm going to go with the female first. You know it. I think that's Bruce. Go ahead. Thank you. This is Linda. Hi, Linda. Um, so the opening of this session was incredible because my daughters, I would have to learn more about the expatriate. They have double citizenship here and in El Salvador. Uh-huh. Well, that's okay. So how do I go about when well, I'm ready? You- like, I want to educate myself on that. Well, you're not an expat. You got dual dual uh, dual identity, which anybody can have. Half of Congress has got it. Hell, they're all Israeli citizens. Okay, so there's no drawback on that, Linda. To my knowledge, for you, just use your U.S. passport. They probably don't even know about the other one. They may, they may not, but I don't think it's a bone of contention. Okay. Okay. Now, um, yeah, because I am. 
I am not a citizen. I don't really know all the laws and the ins and the outs. Yes. Um, is there a resource that I can go deeper in this? For you personally? No, no, no. For my daughters. Um, boy. Well, just learn the regular stuff we talk about, you know. Sixty-four pages. Well, that that that, that booklet you ought to you ought to read and go over that Devin has taken the time to write for us. Now there was another guy same came forward with Linda. I've got something I want to get out also on today that I had on my mind, but let's address our fellow there who was second. Yes, there are 30 Supreme Court cases. I just counted them. Yeah. And if Frankie could stay for the after show, I have a notary question for her. And Roger, for you, I have a girl this week similar to the Italian woman there. She was born in Germany and doesn't have and can't get a birth certificate. Is that one of those countries that you yes. were talking about? Yes, uh, Germany, Germany is strictly just sanguineous. And the reason I know that is because there was an article a couple of years ago with all these immigrants that are in there and committing crimes. And one of the prosecutors was going to take him and try and get him kicked out of Germany because of the crimes that he committed, because Germany has no birthright citizenship. That was a couple of years Thank ago. Thank you, sir. Okay. Now, what I wanted to mention is, and it's going to be coming into more of the spotlight here as we go forward, evidently, Congress is talking about reinstituting the draft. And I had an email about it, okay? And as a national, so you, this is where you're going to concentrate on people with younger, with uh, adolescent, teenage people. Do you want to keep them out of the draft? They're not going to send them over to fight all, all, uh, Saddam Hussein and all this crap or send them to the Ukraine? Get them an affidavit filed. It exempts them from the draft. This another angle where you can start approaching people if they've got children of that age and draftable age on getting them out of that crap, period. Okay? So it's another approach for us, all right? Roger, where did you see that? So I I've heard that. I heard a couple of people mention it on Alex or something that they were, the Congress is talking about, the Democrats, of course, are talking about reinstituting the draft. Why do you think they want to do that, America? To build their army. To send their asses to the Ukraine. Right. What are the, what's the big deal on the Ukraine, folks? What are we going out on all these limbs? You know, the Pentagon, if we get in this budget crisis, the Pentagon came out and said, our people don't get paid, but we're still paying the Ukrainians. You're paying the civil servants in Ukraine, their pensions, their salaries, everything. They want to make Ukraine the next Israel. They want to get out of the Middle East and set up in the Ukraine. 30,000 Israelis flew to the Ukraine last week to recognize Yom Kippur. Wow. 30,000.
That's what the Ukraine is. They're wanting to make the Ukraine Israel and Europe. And I can't even, they want to reclaim that ancient Kazarian land right adjacent to Russia. And I hope Putin goes in there and steamrolls their asses. Okay. All right. So I want that was important. I wanted to get that out on things I wanted to discuss today. We're right at the end of the show. That was on what? That one's on Alex Jones. I heard that's where I think that's where I heard it talked about with Pete Santilli uh, sitting. He was sitting in yesterday. Oh, also the fourth hour of yesterday. Was it? Was it that? I think it's the fourth hour, fourth hour of Alex yesterday when Jay Dyer comes in. Are you all familiar with Jay Dyer? He's very sharp. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. he's done all this research into the history of the cult and all this stuff and all these readings of all these very obscure books. On the fourth hour yesterday, he had a gal in there that's just written a book on feminism and the occult roots of feminism. You ought to go watch that fourth hour from yesterday. Thank you, Roger. Okay, that that is really good information. Okay, and she's done a ton of research on it. So that's the fourth hour of Alex yesterday with Jay Dyer, and this is our little whistler friend there, who usually tells us we're at the end of our spirited discussion today. So uh, a good good show today, folks. We covered a lot of really really critical stuff today for people. I want to thank Ron and Frankie for bringing their situation and all the others, and uh, Marilyn too. And I'll be anxious to hear the results you get as you go out and whack these people with the truth. See how hard they scream when they get whacked with the truth. Yep. And don't forget to go to ExposeTheMatrix.com for more information. And some of the links, some of the information we've talked about today. Yep. And if you're new and you still don't believe this, do a little bit more study. It'll firm up for you. And uh, try and get over your fear. Fear is a big thing with a lot of people. What you are, what set of laws you live under is your decision. We covered that extensively on this expatriation discussion today. You can expatriate to any country in the world, folks. But these people don't want you to repatriate to your original status. Don't let them buffalo you. you got all the truth and all the facts on your side. Get some breasticles and testicles, learn the information, and confront their sorry asses. Okay? They'll let you trade your slavery, but they don't want you to get out of it. They sure don't. And we got them by the short hairs, folks. Don't it feel good? See you Monday.